Now for the Nathan, Nathan marriage update. Is that on camera, Nathan? Oh, God. All right, we'll leave it. <laughs> it is astonishing that Nathan actually comes every week because I really do give him a hard time. I give almost all single people a hard time about not being married until they turn 50. And then I stop because I give up. But it should never give up if you really do want to get married. Anyway, welcome. I'm Dennis Prager. This is the Fireside Chat with a with a change. Snoopy is in Otto's place for the first time. I think this is the first time. Is that right? No. It may have happened before. Yeah. The th my theory is that Snoopy, who who is the brighter of the two, that Snoopy is... Uh, starting to think, why does Otto get national attention and I get attention just from my mommy, my, which is my wife? So that is uh, that might be a part of the reason. And Otto, who is extremely easygoing, is simply lying on the floor on that on, on the carpet. Anyway, great to be with you on the Fireside Chat. A few thoughts on... Police, the big, it's a big issue in America, as you well know. So on my radio show, I played this video of a, a, of a woman. I didn't know if she was white or black. Uh, it was told she was black. Oh, I did watch it, but I, the, her, her face was, you know, sort of blocked out. In any event, uh, it almost doesn't matter, but I'm just noting it because it might be germane to the story. And so he was stopping her because she was using her, uh, her phone while driving. And by the way, that has happened to me. Uh, in fact, my, in my case, I thought it was really a little silly. I was at a red light and the, the officer didn't care and came over uh, to me. And anyway... She just, from the beginning, she just said, murderer, what are you going to do to me? Are you going to kill me and my son? And her five-year-old son, I think was five, was sitting next to her. Murderer, what do you think, murderer? I think she must have called him murderer at least uh, 10 times. And uh, the, 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 it was a terrible thing. It's just terrible the, the way she treated him. And the... The other aspect of it was that two aspects of it that I thought are worthy of note, in addition to just calling him a murderer, the guy couldn't have been more polite. The entire exchange was act is on is on audio and video. And one of the things was she mentioned in passing, you know, I'm a teacher. And I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> that's the scariest part of the video. This woman is a teacher. Only God knows what she teaches her kids. It must be a propaganda session because so the woman is so clearly angry, just an unhappy human being. And then at the end, she goes, oh, you Mexican racist. Now, doesn't that make her the racist? <laughs> Using Mexican and an epithet? You know, what do you want to be white? I, the whole thing is so convoluted. And it was all put into her brain by the left. People don't come up with these horrible and foolish ideas on their own. They, they're, they're from school and from the media.
So I'm thinking this notion cops as murderers and the hatred of the police on the part of the left and the idea of defunding police in Minneapolis. Do you know that they're on course right now to have the the greatest number of murders ever recorded in Minneapolis this year? They had the second highest ever last year, and it's all because of defunding. Uh, It's all because of the hatred of police. Police are just leaving. I mean, I, I, I must admit that I find it remarkable that almost any big city policeman stays on the police force to, to be the object of national abuse like that. And that wherever you go, not wherever you go, but in many of the neighborhoods you go just to be uh, cursed and called a murderer and spat at and, and sometimes, of course, uh, attacked. Uh, by the way, you want to know the data? This is from Larry Elder, who is one of the great uh, scholars of the country, and he's black. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. How many of you knew that? In other words, it's a, it's a hell of a lot more dangerous for a policeman to have a confrontation with a black male than a black male to have a confrontation with a with a police officer who would who would have thought of that and yet that's that's just the statistic why did why does the left hate the police it has nothing to do with racism Uh, i am convinced of that the whole the whole left thing is not anti it the 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 hatred of whites on the left is not because of racism it is because of values. And I'll give you a simple uh, one example, which is sort of a proof. The University of Pennsylvania English Department took down William Shakespeare's picture. The greatest writer in the English language was obviously honored with the picture at the University of Pennsylvania English Department. It makes sense. Why did they take it down? Because he was white. It is a hatred of the fact that he wrote the greatest literature and was white. It's, it's all convoluted. But th- this holds true for Mozart, and it holds true for Bach, and it holds true for a whole host of, uh, of cultural things. By the way, the idea that whites are superior as opposed to the culture that many whites have invested in Western culture, I could easily prove to you how absurd that is. Stalin was white. The greatest mass murderer in the world outside of Mao was white. He was so white, he was actually literally Caucasian. Stalin was from the Caucasus, from the the country of Georgia, which is Caucasian. (laughs) You can't get more white than a Caucasian. So, which is the white value? Is Shakespeare a white value or is Stalin a white value? There's no such thing as a white value. That's the whole point. There are values. Blacks who love Shakespeare, are they white? Are the Japanese who love Bach white? And yet this, this, what I'm saying now is so obvious and so basic. And yet if you go to college or high school now, typically any in America, This is revelatory, what I just explained to you. The hatred of of police comes from another sick part of the left. 
the left doesn't hate evil. I, I, I knew this at a, when I was in, in high school. I was raised a liberal Democrat Jew in New York. Can't get more liberal than that. Jewish New Yorker, Ivy League College, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Democrat. So I, and I, I stayed a Democrat till, till the Ronald Reagan period. But I knew something very early on, because I hate evil, the deliberate dest- destruction of people's lives. And I knew that I could never be on the left. I could be a liberal, but not on the left, because the left did not hate communism. They hated anti-communists. Same thing with criminals. It's a sick, it's a sick thing, the left. It, it's morally sick. They don't hate violent criminals. They hate the police who fight violent criminals. It's the same in the Middle East with Israel. They, they hate Israel. They, they don't hate the Islamic terrorists, the Palestinian terrorists, the Gaza rocket senders. They don't hate them. They hate Israel. Those who fight evil are hated by the left. It's so perverse that it's hard for you watching me right now to believe that. But it's consistent, and the police issue is a perfect example. Did you see the uh, the viral video of the student at Cypress College in California, whose whose professor was anti police, and they had this argument in class? He was very polite, by the way, and she said, "Oh, so he said, who would you would you call the police if if an armed man came into your house?" And she said, no. Do you believe her? She believes her. That I do believe. She she said, basically, it's more dangerous for her to call the police than it is to have an armed man uh, barge into the house. That's sick. That's sick, too. He should have asked her, what, what if it was a, a shooter on campus? Would you call the police if there was a shooter on campus, professor? wonder what she would have said. So in Minneapolis, as I told you, the and every major city, the rates of murder are so much higher. And by the way, the overwhelming majority of those being murdered are blacks. Black lives matter is a truism. Of course, black lives matter. But the, the joke is, to the left, black lives don't matter unless the black life is taken by a white policeman. But if the overwhelming majority of blacks who get murdered are, are murdered by blacks, it means nothing to the left. In fact, if you raise the issue, you're called a racist. So where, where's the racism among those who care about all the blacks being murdered? Hey, Otto, uh-oh, now what's going to happen now? This is interesting. He just discovered that his normal spot is taken. Major uh, tongue licking here. That tongue is uh, the size of a, uh, of a garden hose. <laughs> All right, back to real life. The number of people being murdered in our cities is higher than ever, and it's not covid It's because police, two reasons, police are leaving the police forces. They they are tired of of the hatred that they receive 
from a, from city officials and from the media. And because they are pulling back from interactions with uh, people of color. A, a black officer killed a, a girl who was about to stab another black girl, a black girl who was about to stab another black girl. And LeBron James, uh, a true fool, puts out uh, a, a picture of the officer with your next hashtag accountability. You're next. He probably saved the black girl's life. And yet he's hated. This is the moral compass of, uh, of the folks on the left. The number of unarmed blacks killed by police in the last year we have data for is approximately, are you ready? I want you to fill in the number before I give you the actual number. It is, give or take two or three, 14 14. And in most cases, they were being attacked. It wasn't uh, by the unarmed person like Michael Brown with the officer in Ferguson, Missouri. So these are things worth knowing. Okay, let's go to our uh, video question. What do you you say to someone who says, just because you uh, resist arrest, doesn't mean you deserve to die. Right. What do I say to someone who says, just because you resist arrest doesn't mean you deserve to die? That's correct. If everybody who resisted arrest were killed, thousands upon thousands would be dead, not 14. However, virtually everyone who was killed did resist arrest. So the lesson is don't resist arrest. You'll live. Oh, no, not him again. We're giving him a second question. My colleague, Hugh Hewitt. All right, I can't, I have to, I have to handle it. Hey, Dennis, I'm back again, and I'm sorry, I, I shoved my way to the front of the line again. I'd like to know about the time you took the airplane from Philadelphia to Lake Erie, and you couldn't find the sandwiches, though everybody else thought they were going to die, and you were trying to find a deli sandwich. Tell them about that one, Dennis. You know, (laughs) okay, so let let me explain something. I didn't even know that this was a big story until afterwards when Hugh Hewitt, who was on that small plane with me, said, I can't believe what I just saw. And I'm wondering, what did you just see? We're all thinking we're going to die on this small plane. You, the plane is shaking and rocking and we feel like we're falling you take your seatbelt off, Dennis, and go looking for a tuna sandwich. And I thought, yeah, I was hungry. And it, it, it apparently struck Hugh and the others on the plane as a remarkable moment that uh, they were praying that they would live, and I was searching for a deli sandwich. <laughs> I guess I don't get upset easily. It's a gift from God. I have a very easygoing nature, but he, he can't get over that. He, <laughs> the truth is he should be telling the story, not me, because I didn't even know it was a story. I just was looking for a sandwich. I didn't know they were thinking they were going to die. All right, Hugh. All right. No more from Hugh for a year. 
Okay. All right. I'll tell him. You tell him, exactly. Now, how do I get back to the questions? Oh, I think I know. Good. Look at that. All right, Marvin, 34 years old, Mexico State. Hi, Dennis. Kind regards from Mexico. Love your show. What do you think is the root problem of the left? I can guess it is citizens' lack of trust in themselves and a government that takes advantage of this belief and continues to feed it. But I'm sure it's a lot more complex than that. On the other hand, what do you think the leftists think is the root problem of the right? Thank you, Marvin, your friend in Mexico. I mean it. Okay, my friend Marvin. Look, this would take, uh, this is why I wrote a book explaining the left called Still the Best Hope. In some ways, the most important book I've written outside of my Bible commentary. And I think all my books are important, otherwise I wouldn't have written them. But called Still the Best Hope. And uh, it, it's, it's explained a lot about America, about Islam, and about the left. So anyway, what is the root problem? They, they think it's citizens' lack of trust in themselves, and they think the government will take care of them. That, that, is, that is absolutely correct, the belief that the government will take care of them. As I have said many times, and this is really worth repeating almost every week, human beings do not yearn to be free. That is a, a myth that they yearn to be free. Human beings yearn to be taken care of. That is why the left is so popular so in so many places in the world. They don't promise liberty. They promise that you will be taken care of. And that people are prepared to trade in liberty for being taken care of. By the way, that too is a great example of, of a lesson I learned uh, from the Bible in the book of Exodus. When the Israelites, when Israel leaves Egypt in bondage 400 years and they start complaining immediately, send us back to Egypt, we had meat there. They didn't have meat in the desert. That's right. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's all there. That's why I, again, forgive me for recommending something I wrote, but it's too important not to mention to you the rational Bible, even if you're an atheist. You will get so much out of it. Volume three is coming out later this year, by the way. Genesis and, and Exodus throughout Deuteronomy is coming out later this year. And I, that's a great, great example. There, there you have it. They didn't yearn to be free after their 400 years of slavery. They yearned to eat better. They weren't starving in the desert, but they preferred the food in Egypt. That's a perfect example. What do the leftists think is the root problem of the right? That we're selfish. That's what it is. That we're selfish. Here's a very simple answer to the we're selfish charge. Conservatives give more charity per capita, per income, than folks on the left. So much for we're selfish. We volunteer more time and we give more charity. Those are data. That's not an opinion. And Americans give more time and, uh, and more money than Europeans do. And you know why? Because Europeans are taught the following. If your neighbor is, uh, is suffering, the government will take care of him. Whereas the American old-fashioned belief was, if your neighbor is suffering, you take care of him. Your church take care of him. Your Rotary Club take care of him. Heidi, 19, Sonia, Norway. Good. I, it, nice that people around the world are watching this. Noth nothing 
is only applicable to Americans of all of these issues. Heidi 19, Sonia Norway. Hi, Mr. Prager. My question for you is, if there is anything the U.S. can learn from Norway's economic system, capitalist in wealth creation, socialist in wealth distribution. By the way, that is a brilliant uh, six-word description of that. Capitalism creates wealth and then socialism distributes it, which is ironically part of the problem. Socialism creates no wealth. So if you want to get rid of capitalism, your socialism isn't going to work. <laughs> All right. In recent years, I've become a free market capitalist. But through my life, I have also seen the great benefits for me and my family with having a strong safety net to catch you when tragedy hits. My husband and I both enjoy your show. Please greet Snoopy for me if you see him. Snoopy? What are you, a prophet? That is impressive. Snoopy, hello from Norway. Not moved. Well, let me explain something. How many people live in Norway? I should have looked it up, uh, but I, I, these are pretty spontaneous, the questions. What is it, six or 10 million, something like that? When you have such a tiny population compared to 330 million, and, the, and it's also uh, monocultural, monoethnic, monoreligious, monoracial, uh, it's a lot easier and on such a small scale where everybody is essentially from the same background to, uh, to do something like an experiment. It's like the kibbutz in Israel. It was a perfectly communist creation, truly communist, from each according to his ability to each according uh, to his needs. So you could have that when you have a few hundred people or, or a thousand people, but uh, not you, you can't do that when you, when you have 330 million people. The government is so gigantic, it becomes alienated from the people. It becomes corrupt. Anyway, Norway uh, is very lucky. Norway gets a tremendous amount of its revenue from North Sea oil. Let's see what happens when, if, 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 when and if oil ceases to be a, a source of, of income for Norway. Be interesting to see what happens. Uh, because remember... You can only have a socialist government, even in a decent place like Norway, if it's funded and it's funded by those who work. So that means that the younger generation has to fund the older generation. But what if you don't have a lot more younger every generation, which is what happens in all socialist countries, because the more left you go, the fewer people have babies. That's why the, the, the North Sea revenue from oil works for you in Norway. But we'll see what happens. What you're going to have to do then is bring, if you want to still have a socialist government, you will have to bring in people to make the revenue possible. And then we'll see what happens in Norway when you have a lot of non-Norwegians coming into Norway. Will you even still have a Norway with its values? Jordan 24, Malaysia. Hi, Dennis, Otto, Megan, and company. All right. What is your take on multiculturalism in the U.S. and Singapore? Or rather, what difference have you observed? Love listening to the show and come to Malaysia someday. P.S. I haven't heard you mentioning questions from Malaysia, so I hope I'm the first. Is this the first from Malaysia? I don't think so, but maybe so. 
Anyway, I have been to Malaysia on, on, on at least two occasions and enjoyed my visits tremendously. I know this is bizarre sounding, but the greatest Caesar salad I ever ate was in Kuala Lumpur, which is a bit bit odd. They made it in at my at at my table, and I don't I'm not a foodie, and yet I remember that so well. Anyway, I had a great time, and I would love to come back. So to to compare uh, the U.S. and Singapore in terms of multiculturalism. Uh, there, there is no real comparison. The United States has, has the most ethnicities, the most races, the most religions, the most cultures, the most nationalities in one place on earth. It is a grand experiment, and it was working until the left decided to, to say that race is important and more important than values. This is what... They are shattering the great American experiment. The American experiment is e pluribus unum from many one. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Muslim. It doesn't matter. You're all American. If you want to retain any cultural uh, part of your heritage, please do so. Italians have and Jews have and Koreans have, and that's fine. But you're all American. That was the experiment But if you say you're all American today, you're called a racist, which is bizarre. The whole point is that race isn't important. The experiment was working until the left has decided to divide Americans. Columbia University just had a graduation. Six different graduations based on race and sexual orientation. That's evil. Hugh Rapert, 18, Netherlands, Prageforce, Hub. Thank you, Hub. How can a religious person and an atheist hold the same beliefs on fundamental issues if they derive their morals from different sources? Well, that's not, that's not hard. I can use reason to argue that murder is wrong, and you can use reason to argue that murder is wrong. So we could both derive our belief that murder is wrong from reason. The big difference is, however, that if you don't believe God said it's wrong, it's only an opinion. It's not a moral fact. It's not a moral truth. So we can have the same opinions about moral issues, you the atheist, if you're an atheist, and I the believer. But you, if you're intellectually honest, must acknowledge that yours are opinions, whereas if my God exists, and the odds are that God does exist, but if my God exists, is a big difference between God said do not murder and I think that murder is wrong. I have a whole video on that subject. So, uh, by the way, uh, There are more than a few secular people, that is non-religious people, who are conservative and who agree with me on virtually every subject. And I, and I, I can only say, if they're okay with it, God bless them. Bob, 67. Whoa, he broke the, the age barrier. Northville, Michigan. I hope you take this question seriously since you love Otto so much. 
can we expect to be reunited with our pets in heaven? I should really call on my wife to answer that one for two reasons. One, I really, really adore and like Otto, but she loves him. I mean, she will, she's here right now, but I think she'll be okay if I tell you. She will get down and give him a kiss. I never kissed Otto. I have no problem with it. I'm not grossed out. It's just, I don't have that instinct. Let me, let me put it to you that way. So uh, she does believe that we are reunited. Her thinking is, one, that the higher mammals have souls, which is very possible. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. The Bible says they do. The Bible says they do, she said. Okay. And second, that why would God have us have such a bond to be severed permanently? A good God. A good God, right. This is my wife now coaching me on what she believes, which is totally uh, uh, right for her to do. Why would I quote her if I don't have her to quote correctly? Uh, I used to... uh, I used to think that that was um, an idiosyncratic belief. I, I no longer do. I, I, I believe deeply in the afterlife. I did a PragerU video on the afterlife. If there is a good God, there is an afterlife. That, that is an axiom because there's so little justice in this world. But uh, I, I, never, uh, I never describe what goes on there because it is completely outside of our realm of, of ability to, to understand. However, the thought that God would create a world and this is all there is, God who is not material would create a material world and only one made of matter, that that's all I am is matter, this is inconceivable to me on logical and moral grounds. So... Otto's upset because he is waiting and waiting for the bed. It's very rare to see Otto upset. (laughs) Snoopy, uh, at this point, uh, couldn't care less what Otto thinks. Otto, next week. That's all I could say. Wait till next week. As they say in baseball, wait till next year. Anyway, that's my thought on that. And on all of it, it is great to be with you every week. Send in the questions. And, well, why not? God bless you. Bye. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.